see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got yeah, guy. Yeah, friggin' guy. Yeah, guy, bro. <laughs> Good waves today. Where'd you surf? Just kidding. Welcome, everyone. Spit. We're spitballing. Spitballing in the uh, realm of surf with David Lee Scale sitting across from me, unshaven, looking kind of borderline homeless. Unkempt. And myself, clean. Healthy, tanned, <laughs> athletic build, humble. This sounds, is this like your dating app profile Tinder. right now that you're giving me? Tinder. Um, we're back at Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Yes, thank God. Shaq, Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Here we are, and we're talking all things surf. It is Wednesday, the first day of August in the year 2018 of our Lord. What the heck happened, dude? We're behind schedule. Are we? Yeah, were you around last week? Uh,. Last week was big surf week, right? Yes. Yeah, I surfed, yeah. <laughs> I surfed all week. And then actually I wasn't around Thursday, Friday, Saturday. No. I didn't reach out last week. I was so hectic. I feel bad for listeners. We left them hanging. But um, I was kind of like waiting for you to force the issue and be like, hey, we're behind That's schedule. That's so funny because I was doing the same thing. Were you really? I'm like, oh, hell, he usually gets a hold of me. Yeah. But there were waves and I was super busy with work-related stuff. And I was just like, if Scott forces it, we'll do it. If not, we'll push. Um but it's funny when waves, the waves are flat now and it's like, I'm actually grateful to, so I can just focus on work, you know? Yeah. Like I have a ton that I need to catch up on and it's kind of, I pray for no surf at times. Wow. That's, Do you? that's blasphemous. No, but I know what you mean. <laughs> I totally get it that there's no surf. I'm kind of stuck because yeah. I got put behind by last week's. Yeah. I was just worked. Like after I surfed, I was just beat down. I had to take a nap and shit. You know, like that swell was powerful. <laughs> Lots of old body got beat up. It's funny. I realize how out of shape I am once there's actual swell. It was pretty good. It's a it lot was... more paddling. And your body does get abused. You know, just duck up. diving, stuff like that. Getting, it's like I surfed beach break one day, the very first day, and it was just throttling. Yeah. And I just got worked in a good way. You know, it feels good to get worked. But the ne- you know, later on in the afternoon, I was nappy poo. Nappy poo. Nappy poo. I um, drove by one of your, it was like um, Seaside Reef, like that big stretch. That's where it was good, and tabletops it, and Seaside. But that first day, I think it was Tuesday. Monday was the first day. Okay. Maybe it was Tuesday that I drove by then. I don't know. It was like double overhead and yeah. like, I, it didn't even look fun. I was just like, oh, I would not surf out there. Uh, I was out go, there those days. Tuesday, I surfed Seaside Reef. That's yeah. the spot? You surfed out there that day was Kelly Slater. What? Yeah. Kelly Slater was out. Why you were out? I wasn't out there when he was out, but you heard he was out. There, yeah, he was definitely there and surfing. But what was the report? Was he shredding? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't I didn't yeah, it was more like, Hey, did you hear Kelly was out? You know, like yeah. it was kinda like reverberating through the parking lot type of thing. What was was he shredding though? That's what I'm I sure he know. was. I mean, why oh, wouldn't he shred? On. I don't know. Has he never has he ever foot? not shredded? He's got a broken foot. That's never stopped him. Look at him at cloud break. That's because you just stand up and go straight. Well, not at cloud break. And by the way, that was Chopu oh. that he won. <laughs> that he won with a broken foot. No, but didn't he go to cloud oh, break with yeah. a broken foot when That's he was right. supposed to be at Margaret River? That's a good point. Yes, yeah. he did. Um, I also want to know what he was writing. 
Like uh, there's I all this information. I there I'm are. Why you didn't there ask are. You know questions. what? I didn't want to be fanboy. I was just like I played it off like I didn't give a shit, even though I secretly wished he would have seen me do a bottom turn. <laughs> <laughs> and then asked if he could be on your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fanboy, fifty-three-year-old fanboy. How embarrassing. Yeah. It is. No, I, look, I'm a big fan of good surfing and good surfers and. Kelly Slater was the greatest of all time, so what's not to be a fan of? But yeah. yeah, he was out in the water. I did. I was not there when he was there, but I'm sure all the Groms were frothing at Seaside that Kelly Slater was out there surfing. I do remember a long time ago when I was growing, when I was like 15 or 16. I remember um, there was a short period of time, maybe like a year, that I was pretty good friends with Doug Silva, and Doug and I would hang out, and he, he was like the super hot NSSA team kid. He was probably 14 or something, and. Willie Morris showed up at Seaside Reef and Doug, of course, knew all of the team guys and all the hot surfers from up and down the coast. But I remember being very impressed by Willie Morris at Seaside Reef, just this big kind of, you know, big, large man being able to get around on pretty, you know, crappy Seaside and being starstruck, I guess. Who is the um, most impressive surfer you've ever witnessed in real life? Wow, that's a good question. Um, it's kind of hard. It's kind of putting me on the spot. To, I mean, I'll that tell was, you what, Doug Silva is a pretty damn good surfer. <laughs> like I've seen Doug at big swamis, and Doug's a very precise. He's a very precise and technically proficient surfer, you know. But um, probably maybe Tom Carroll. I've seen Tom Carroll. I've been with him at Cloudbreak. Um, Aki, um, seen Aki rip Cloudbreak. Um, uh, you know, it's hard in, in real life, you know, it's, it's, have you seen Kelly surf in real life at pipe? Yeah. yeah. I've seen him. I've seen him surf at pipe. If I think about the, all the pipe events, I've been at a bunch of pipe events. Watching it from the beach though, is a little bit different than being in the water. Yeah. You mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the reason why I ask is I, um, grew up in orange County and everybody passes through orange County. If not where I'm at is Huntington. And if not Huntington, certainly lowers, you know, so yeah. you'll see everybody from the lowest QS guy to Kelly throughout the year though, there's the Huntington beach rippers. And when I was a kid, it was like Jay Larson, Jeff Deffenbaugh. And then the younger guys were Micah Byrne, Sean Ward, Brett Simpson at a certain point. And they surf so unbelievably well as compared to me and my peers. It was just like, Oh my gosh, I cannot believe ever, number one, getting to that level, but I couldn't even imagine that level of surfing if I hadn't witnessed it myself. And then US Open comes around and these B-list pros who you've heard of but are better than your local guys show up and it's a whole different level than your local pro and you just go, oh my gosh, I thought my local pro was this unattainable level. This B-list pro is even better. They're five times better than the local guy. And then Kelly Slater shows up one day and he surfs light years better than the B-list guy. And you just, your mind is blown. The speed by which they surf, the, you know, um, like I remember seeing Archie at some point in Newport, like hitting the lip so hard. I thought that the board would snap and like his leg would break or something. It was just unbelievable power and vertical in a section that is pitching to where I would have dodged it if it if I was trying to pull into the barrel, I would have dodged it. And he's going vert into the thing, full speed, smashing it. It's just like the levels of ability are just crazy. 
the dimensions. It's actually a really interesting question. Like, which surfer have you been in the water with that impressed you the most? You know, like, it's as I think back, it's just there's, yeah. I, I mean, I guess it's funny. It's not like name guys. It's like guys that are like what we would say are B or C listers like Doug Silva or, you know, like, but I'll tell you, one guy who's an A-lister, and by the way, I would say that even Doug Silva's an A-lister he in my book. He was at a moment. Yeah, yeah. He, he was an incredible, he still is a great surfer. But um, Brad Gerlach is a guy that I would say, as I look back, because I guess I haven't really been in the water with that many, but I mean, the average listener hasn't even seen, I've seen a lot of pro surfers in the water just because of my job. You know, I used to sit in a boat and take photos of them, you know? Being, you and I living in Southern California already puts us in a totally different category. Like, listeners who might live on in new england or oh i just thought of you know who comes to mind dean randazzo yeah i surfed with him at south Sapoitis. jersey guy there's all the hot california guys were there and he friggin' stood out really yeah dean randazzo that's like that's what i mean like i think the names that most of us would pull out of that hat would surprise you obviously you'd go oh well i've surfed with kelly so he's probably the guy but guys where you go man that guy really blew my mind I would say Dean Randazzo is one of those guys, but I kind of random. I fully believe that it's not that random because there was a five-year period where Dean Randazzo was at the absolute top echelon of performance surfing, like undeniably. Yeah, I remember just video parts of him doing like these crazy layback, like fin blows that were just mind blowing. You know, nobody else was doing them. Maybe Greg Browning did a few. Um, I was at I was at the um, that. OP Pro Boat Trip Challenge in yep. like the year 2000 or 2001 or whatever. And that was the year we got really good Kandui. And it was when they didn't even think Kandui was like a rideable wave. Mm-hmm. You know, they used to call it no Kandui because you would. And um, the guy who stood out in that session, you'd think it would be one of the Irons brothers, but it was Dorian. Really? Yeah. Dorian really stood out, at least in my mind. I'm sure the Irons brothers were ripping. But um, Dorian was the guy that I kind of remember being just balls to the wall. And we all have our days, you know, and we yeah. have our months or years where we're kind of off our game. So you might have caught Dorian on fire that day when the other guys were just kind of going through the motions. Yeah. Um, I saw I was surfing. It was around U.S. Open time of year 15 years ago. And I was just surfing like um, the vast openness of Newport between like the final jetty and like the river mouth like 65th street or something just good medium-sized surf and randomly tom kern paddles out and blew my mind taking off on waves that i wasn't even looking at yeah. he wasn't sitting waiting for priority he would just like spin and go on a knee-high wave and generate an unbelievable amount of speed and surf it so far down the beach where i wouldn't have even thought of trying to connect those sections unless I was on a glider or something, which I wasn't writing at the time ever. And it just blew my mind. It was like re reshaped how I viewed waves to just thinking like, Oh, I don't need to paddle battle with these other guys trying to rip. I should just go have fun and catch a small wave and try to like swivel my hips on it, you know, <laughs> rather than trying to like crack the lip on a set wave, like just find the flow in the wave. Cause that's what he was doing. Yeah. It, totally changed that's that's awesome yeah that's like that's a moment of enlightenment right there yeah where you're like shit i don't really have to conform to this whole trip you know Mm -hmm. like there's a lot more to this than meets the eye yeah which is cool and i'm sure curran had 
surfed amazing waves throughout that year, been on crazy boat trips. So when he pulled up to Newport, he saw it was piddly and was just like, eh, I'm just going to go wiggle around and catch a few. And he went out there with that mindset. And I was sitting out there with the mindset of like, I got to battle it out with these people I see every day and like fight for dominant, you know, just like the total wrong mindset to have fun, the least conducive to having fun. You know what? I was just kind of, as you were mentioning that, I was thinking when I was a kid, you know, like 79 to say 83, there was still a lot of guys riding crappy single fins. Yeah. And so what you really noticed was the guys that were on the proper equipment were just flying around. Like I remember seeing Joey Brand just going, holy mackerel, that's a whole different level of surfing. Then, you know, there'd be some B-list pros that were just on the wrong boards. They were still riding whatever, you know, that it's not like today where you got seven boards to choose from right. and they're off super fast just to start with, you know? Yeah. So you really noticed the really good guys way more like the gap was much larger. Sure. Based on equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, well, geez. Where yeah. did that start? Okay, Kelly great show. Massive, <laughs> massive seaside. Um, yeah. So I'm glad to hear that you got waves. We have to catch up on a few things. Um, first of all, the Boardroom Podcast, you just sent me the file for Chaz. You did an interview with Chaz Smith about cocaine and surfing. Yeah, mostly like, about his book, but we, I tried to riff us off into a different places you know we talk about rock and roll and some other stuff i think how'd it go i thought it went great good. he's he's very engaging and it was fun and good i'm excited to listen yeah i mean it was good i think i hope come on sell it dude you know, you know what you got to listen to this if i've never done a, if i don't ever do a podcast again i'll be okay with it because this is the greatest podcast i've ever done i heard it was podcast gold Chaz smith and i podcast gold no it, it look he made it pretty easy, you know. Good. I can I can see how um, he's he's natural. He's a natural in front of the microphone, much like yourself. Thank you. So yeah, I it, think it went good. We're I was prepared. I had questions. I had read the book. That helps. Yes, I was a little starstruck actually. Really? Yeah, a little bit. Why is that? I don't know. You've met him before. I actually hadn't. I mean, I had done. I think we had shaken hands once yeah. at, at Seaside Market or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but um. um well, tomorrow. We'll I think it, what it is is I'm just a fan. You know, I yeah. sort of had that. I'm just a fan. I I enjoy reading what he, I, I enjoy. It's it's fun, lighthearted reading. You it know is, what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it kind of, it's an escape when I read Beach Grid. I'm just like, this is kind of fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, publishing that tomorrow. So listeners, the reason why we're talking about it is you have to subscribe to the Boardroom podcast separately. Just pull out your phone. Search the boardroom, click subscribe, and you can listen to that. It's dropping tomorrow. How are the subscriptions on that, by the way? I have no idea what's going on. We'll talk about it off air. Oh, no, really? <laughs> no, Is that's that not bad? bad. No, it's just you got to keep stuff like that close to the okay. chest. Um, Board, um, and I just finished one an hour ago with Timmy Patterson, which good. will be published. And we talk about Idolo and about the Patterson clan and the incredible pedigree that Timmy Patterson grew up with. It's amazing. I've really been meaning to reach out to Timmy to interview him for a long time. Like I'm way, I've been remiss to not include him in conversations because he's such an important figure. Um, well, I so I've been texting with Ashton from Stab, the editor in chief. Um, Goggins, 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 yep. Goggins, Goggins. Uh, Goggins. He's a he's a cool guy, and um, we were just kind of texting back and forth, and, and I'm like, hey, I'm interviewing Timmy tomorrow. And he goes, oh, my God, we've got an interview with him that's dropping tomorrow, like which would be today. So I think Stab might have an interview with oh, Timmy okay. Patterson right now. Cool. I haven't looked, but he was saying that the 
it's going to go live today or tomorrow. Or something. Okay, cool. Um, but I, sorry, the podcast with Timmy probably won't be out for a week or so. Whenever you, we think it's right. Well, now. we're doing every other week. So if we're doing Chaz tomorrow, then I think we should go two weeks okay, for yeah. the Timmy. That's Otherwise, nice. people are going to expect you to right. do it every right. week. Yeah, we can't. Yeah, That's hard to yeah, keep up keep with up. it. Yeah. Um, give yourself some breathing room. Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to tell listeners is I'm – Donnie Brink is um, doing like a public shaping at the Vistla store on Friday in Pacific City. And I'm going to go hang out with him at 6.30. So any fans who want to come hang out with Donnie and I, meet and greet like we did at the boardroom show. But um, Friday night, 6.30, Vistla store, Pacific City. Dane Godowskis is going to join us as well. I'm sure there'll be other people. So come, chill. Scott, you're more than welcome. Don't you want to come to Huntington Beach? On Friday? Yeah. No. No, I do not. (laughs) I mean, there could not be a more penal suggestion than to go to Huntington Beach Wow. On Friday during the U.S. Open, that's just like I cringe. Like I'd rather go to Victorville. <laughs> so, anyways, fans, join us. <laughs> Sorry, um, I actually—it's funny. I've avoided the U.S. Open the last couple of years, and even gone out of town when it comes into town. But the other night, I went to the Vans. Um, they did a surf film premiere for this South African trip. <clears throat> it was fun. Like I, I like actually. I don't know if you can kind of pick and choose your moments. It's fun being a part of the hullabaloo a little bit, you know, like it's, it's not as uh, terrible as you think that it is. I think my disgust for it has more to do with my own insecurity about like hobnobbing around with surf industry types. Like I just don't enjoy it. I I just feel like there's, and again, maybe it's my own like hypersensitive uh, insecurities, but I just feel like I'm constantly being judged. And it's, there's a lot of like big leaguing and a lot of guys like looking at you and not acknowledging you and guys that you know and they know and you know them and they know you, but they're, you know, it's like that's lame. I, yeah. And I'm just, I'm too old for it. I'm just like, uh, you know what? I'd rather be with people that want to be with me. I get, you're right. Like left to my own devices, I always default to staying home and not doing things like that. But when I do end up engaging in it, I actually love it and I thrive on it. You know, and not not the things that you're talking about, but what I've learned is that there is a community. Well, certainly if we're talking about the podcast, like there's a community that's developed. The boardroom show is a great example where it's like, okay, I'll get a booth and we'll just see how it goes. And then people show up and they chat and they have a very shared interest set that you and I have. And then I just fully enjoy the entire process, you know, so... I, I don't mind the, box the everyday average layperson proletariat yeah. surfer. I, I like those people. It's the industry. It's yeah. the vibe. But again, it, it just that's probably more on me than anything else. You know, like there's I got some issues. <laughs> well, that's evident by our five years of recording. Exactly. Together. Um, <laughs> hey, Scott. Yes. Did you hear that at neatessentials.com, the thermal dry, the thermal fast dry suits are back in stock? I didn't hear that, but I've been wearing my neat essentials trunks and i friggin love them and too. my need essentials jacket which my son just bought me my son ponied up and purchased really? me a wetsuit jacket that's nice of from him. need essentials radical yeah to make up for all the things that he's taken from you in the past well that's what kids do lord knows i did that to my parents you know it's part of the deal um well and i know rob at need forwarded us an email recently of listener feedback like basically if you buy something from him drop him a note let him know that you've know us or heard of it through us um spit 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 and mention was, spit oh, okay 
<laughs> mention Scott and David by name. That's fine, Scott. Come on. Um, well, when they mentioned but, Sir Splendor, I'm like, oh, are they, do they even are they listening to me? Or are they listening to David? I think and Chaz, they mentioned they you by name, though, right? I, I think they put Scott in that 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 specific one. Anyway, therein lies my insecurity manifesting itself. Chill out, buddy. Okay. Uh, but anyways, we love to be able to connect the dots. Um, NeedEssentials.com supports this show. So if you need anything for the mountain or the beach, you can get it from Need. The other thing, they have youth suits in stock. Um, I have a buddy who needed a kid's suit recently. And so they have the new youth suits, two millimeter, chest zip, spring, jacket. And I'm going to, suit. in a couple of weeks, surf Waco. I'll be bringing my wet dry bag. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I've spyoptic.com is now branding our must see moment. That is our other sponsor for the show. You mean so I have to come up with one? <laughs> I've, no, I've got one and you're going to agree with it. So okay. wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, no. trust me. Oh, okay. I'm going to use... involve Alana Blanchard. Or no, no, no. It involves a photo that you sent me uh, oh, okay. via text. So now yeah, I'm going to blackmail yeah, okay. you with okay. it. Oh, must, my see, God. must see moment provided by spyoptic.com, but we'll get to that later in the show. Spyoptic. Right. right. Um, what I wanted wait, to ask wait you... Wait a minute. Since we're talking sponsors, Boardroom Show needs some sponsors. Okay. So... If you're into what I'm doing, interviewing, one-on-one format, um, sh- reach out to David or myself, and, and we'd like to get involved. Prominently featured on StabMag.com this oh, week. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. I wanted Why don't to, you bring that up? Well, um, Ashton, I assume, um, it was put Ashton. together yeah, a little write-up and the three episodes with board builders that you have done so far and highlighted it and said that you're doing a good job. So we appreciate that promotion. And I didn't ask for that. That just came out of the blue. Um, but Full what transparency. I, well, what I wanted to ask you is Ashton also organized this new um, electric acid test yes. board thing. Is that in your notes? It is in my I notes. I wanted to get your feedback on it. Well, we should talk it. about it. Let's um, talk about it. It's similar to their Stab in the Dark series. Right. Ashton mentioned this to me a long time ago. Um, he's like, dude, I got this concept. I want to do alternative boards yep. like the um, Stab in the Dark, but alternative designs not even necessarily pick a winner, but just like get a great surfer writing these things and giving feedback on these things. And so that's what they did. They, none of the boards are labeled. They basically went to, I think about eight different board builders and just said, provide us with what you would like to see a high performance surfer. I think they gave the shaper, the dimensions of the surfer. He's this tall. He weighs this much. He's regular foot. And (laughs) if they came to you with those dimensions like those parameters like if you were a shaper and they're like okay this guy's 510 he weighs a buck 95 and he's a regular foot <laughs> would you think it was i'll tell you if he goes he's 510 weighs a buck 95 but he used to weigh 175 <laughs> then i would There's know only exactly. one choice who else could it be i would know and exactly. he's like the, the top guy in the world but whatever. they don't say he's the top guy in the world all they need to say is 109 well why would you who are you who are you going to choose that's like you're going to pick the hot surfer like as the editor of the magazine you're not going to go to so in that me. in that in that realm you could go you could say it's not Jordy. Jordy's a little too heavy, and he just did the stab in the. He's dark, not five ten so. or five nine or whatever. So Julian maybe, but Julian's, Julian's a little not lighter. Julian's not buck ninety five. Right, you're right. The buck ninety five is the giveaway. That's the, here. That's the giveaway. Yeah, because you could maybe go Tom Curran. Maybe, but I bet that would Tom, be amazing. No, he's not a buck. Nine. I bet Tom's buck sixty five. Yeah, you're right. But that'd be an amazing pick. That would be. That so, would have been better, man. No, 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 no. We don't know yet. We got to watch the movie. So the movie's premiering tomorrow night. Also, if anybody wants to come out, Pacific City, their stabs debuting at there. I would actually go there to see that. What do you think of if the it was concept, Victorville? I think it's cool. I mean, why not? You know, um, the electric acid surfboard test 
and I'll just read a little bit to set up the listeners if you haven't heard. What happens when you bring Dane Reynolds and 10 tripped out surfboards hand-shaped by some of the most radical hands dabbling in foam and fiberglass for a 10-day mind melter at Mexico's loveliest sand points? Well, you'll just have to come see for yourself. Stab Vans and Corona announcing the world premiere of the electric acid surfboard test. This is tomorrow night, Thursday, August 2nd at Pacific City in Huntington Beach. So that's the, the little... Um, kiss-ass blurb there for Ashton and for the stab crew what do I think of it I think it's cool I mean I saw the the trailer I'm sure you've seen the trailer Ashton probably sent me something else that I didn't look at yet but um I'd like to see it you know um I don't know why it won't be fun to watch I guess a lot of it depends on how honest Dane is and how honest the editor is and because I mean at some point he's going to probably shoot down some of these yeah. boards they always do it's kind of weird you know it's like in a weird way it's like what are we trying to do here i'll tell you what i i would like to see them try to do and i had this conversation with ashton before they launched the con before they even when it was just a kernel of an idea because um i told him i go look i don't think it matters who wins like everybody places an emphasis on or Stab was placing an emphasis on Stab in the Dark with the big reveal of who wins. And I'm like, dude, nobody cares. Like, it's not even about who wins. It's just about, because by the way, Jordy surfs differently than every other human on the planet. Even other guys who are as good as him, he just surfs differently. And so his feedback is going to be different. And not every board gets a fair shake. One board, his dad's board broke on the very first session it might have been the first wave even and then certain boards get ridden in crappy conditions other boards get ridden in good conditions so it doesn't matter who wins it doesn't say anything really what we do care about is having a surfer who can articulate why a board is doing a given thing so i think that's what the focus should be and i do believe that there isn't a winner of this given version that they're doing it's just dane explaining why he likes a board why he doesn't like a board what its strengths and weaknesses were i just interviewed as a teaser i just interviewed Britt merrick um, for the podcast and he was saying that dane is unbelievably astute he goes i gave dane this board that was similar to all the other ones whatever and he brought it back and he loved it and he narrowed it down to like in between the front two fins of a thruster there was like this four inch space and he goes, you know, this, I think this space right here, if we could take a little less, a little more foam out of here, if I had a little less foam here, I think that would make a difference. So Britt went back into the bay, shaped it and did that exact thing. And Dane goes, best board I've ever ridden. Like that board's magic. He narrowed it down to four inches of space where he removed minimal amount of foam from it. But Dane is that savvy. You know, how crazy is that? So getting somebody at Dane's level of surfing and a level of communication, ability to communicate, I think is the value of this piece. To play devil's advocate, I'll suggest to you that that makes tons of sense when you're talking about a super refined, high performance surfboard. But we're talking about boards that are like bonzers and fishes and kind of boards that I don't think Dane would naturally ride anyway. So it's kind of a square peg round hole thing in some regards. And I guess some of it depends on exactly how Dane extrapolates and explains his thoughts, both pro and con for each board. And I'm sure it'll be good. I don't know. But but I'm almost thinking maybe Ashton next time could do something where 
he has shapers that are all pretty good surfers. Like you, you could get Pizel, you could get Tyler Warren, <clears throat> excuse me, you could get Chris Christensen, you could get a bunch of guys. That, you know, you could get Mauricio, you could get friggin' uh, um, Javier from XTR. You can get it. There's a, enough guys that are good surfers that are shapers. You could get Ryan from Sinkel. Yeah. So you could get guys and have them all build a board and then don't sign it or anything and they all mix them up. And they just pick, they get assigned boards. That'd be amazing. Wouldn't that be kind of, I mean, there's so many different ways you could do this, but I think then you've got guys that are shapers that are also riding it that could kind of just talk about it. I'm not saying, obviously you've mentioned Dane's pretty good at explaining design. Yeah. But anyway, either it's neither here nor it's neither, you know, six and one half dozen or another. It's, it's neither good nor bad. I think that's just another route that you could now take. I'm excited about this. I, I, I can't wait to see it. I'll tell you why I'm excited. And this kind of... I want to just see him surfing these boards. Well, this... So that's what I was going to say. This is in contradiction to what you were saying about Square Peg Round Hole. Dane recently put out a new edit for Former called Copacetic Mm -hmm. a week or two ago. Yeah. And I'm way more excited to watch this than I am that. And I watched Copacetic and it's good, but it's like, it's a lesser version of the Dane that we once knew. And granted, it's a better surfing than we're seeing from almost anybody else on the internet. Um, but it's a lesser Dane than we once knew this electric acid test is a brand new Dane. And so it's like, I'd way rather watch the new, if I could only pick one, I'd way rather watch the new one. You know, I got to admit when I watched the trailer, I was bummed that it was over. I was like, okay, I fully bit the hook. I'm fully engaged. I want to see what goes on here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you think? So in, in the world of uh, boards, what do you think of uh, Tesla and Matt Biolis's? <laughs> I have that in my notes as well. This fits in the same. What genre do I think of, of it? I think good for Matt. I think it's cool that they sold out at fifteen hundred bucks a pop. Um, I guess they're going on eBay, or they're trying to sell them on people that bought them, or trying to sell them now for more. And I don't know if they're. I think Rory Parker wrote something on Stab about this that that there may or may not be any takers at the higher level. But I, I mean, look, I'm a lover of surfboards. I, I'm, I don't, I guess I don't have an opinion. I'm like, cool. I'm stoked for Matt. It was another brilliant marketing move for Lost and for Mayhem. And he's so good at that. And I mean, I'm not going to sit here and go, that's lame. I don't think it's lame. I think it's cool. Like what's, what's the downside? I mean, what, you know, you could be the stubborn, salty guy and go, that's fucking lame. They'll never be waxed up or ridden ever. You know, it's like, so why do you even care? Like, you know, what's lame. You complaining about it is what's lame. Like, why are you giving a shit? Mm-hmm. You know, like, why aren't you solving world problems? Um, I'm shocked at how low priced they were. $1,500 seems shockingly low to me. Like, there's plenty of builders that are making boards for 1500 bucks <laughs> well, right sure, now on the market. I'm and sure that's what they're saying after they sold out in 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I just figured... Tesla alone, you could charge whatever the current high mark is in the actual functional surfboard market, which by the way, this board is functional as well. Um, Double it. Find out who the top builder is and what they're charging and then double it because it has Tesla engineering in the glassing process and it has a Tesla logo on it. And I guarantee you'll sell out at that price too. How much would you pay for like a carbon fiber Tesla comb? To pull through <laughs> that chop hop of yours. I'm open to sponsorships if Tesla wants to get involved. The um, Tesla Mayhem collab. First of all, I don't comb my hair, so I wouldn't even pay a dollar for it. 
okay. I don't comb it or wash it. So that's right. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I'm supportive of it. I think surfers aren't the one buying those boards, by the way. It's no. Tesla fans that are buying those boards. Yeah. At exactly. which point charge $5,000 for them. Yeah. Um, what about Surfline's twinning board test? Did you see that? I saw images of it. I didn't dive deep into it at all. They do a great job with it. I'll yeah. be honest. Like I'm also... I'll check it out. It's not as exciting as the stab one but it's a bit more thorough like i feel like they've tried to um make it very fair you know like kind of tried to make something that is very difficult to uh make objective they've tried to make objective and they do like three minute edits of every individual board and they show a lot of um not a quality clips which i think is been a beneficial to the board it's like it's good to show the board being surfed in less than great waves and less than great you know sections and all that sort of stuff see how it works its way through slow spots and all that um but i think it was really it was really informative and there were certain boards that i thought performed better than other boards for sure you know i'm watching the um album asim twin that josh kerr's writing right now and it looks pretty cool what i liked about that is the loose it had drive but then he was able to whip it like there was a lot of looseness he was able to get the board loose like do a big wrap and then at the end of the wrap snap it into a slide and it's like oh man the thing's got drive and it's loose at the same time so thing is you get these pros and they're just such good surfers but i guess it's better that way you can see what's happening with the wave i think it is i mean with the board yeah i think it's better um what are your thoughts on twin fins in general? I'm a big fan. Are you? I mean, yeah, I've I've owned them. I own one now. I've got a Channel Islands that I really like. Um, the fastest board I've ever owned, one of. I've had two super fast boards. And one was a twin fin that Chris Christensen made me. And it was a round, like a slight wing round tail twin fin. Kind of of the old round pin twin fin um, that kind of came out in the early 80s um, before the tri-fin like 1982 81 something like that 80 but anyway yeah super fast um i'm a fan you know i'm a big fan so i've been almost exclusively riding a fish the last month or so um five four twenty and a half inches wide two and a half thick with keel fins and app from roger hines and absolutely loving the thing like it's so much fun. Yeah, it's weird. I don't. It's because you said fish. I'm like, oh, I haven't even thought about fishes. I thought you meant like twin fin, twin like proper twin fins. But I mean, I guess a board of two fins is a twin fin. So a fish is a twin fin. I always think of fishes as like fish and their a, own category. Tw- a twins more like that MR kind of rocket fish, like a like an MR style twin fin. You know, right. that's kind of what I was thinking. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. 
Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, what else you got in your notes, Scott? Oh, I got, I'm sorry. I'm watching, I'm watching this footage of the twin fin stuff on Surfline. It's pretty fascinating. It's good, good stuff. It is good stuff, but you're right. Those are all non fishes. Oh no, there's a couple fish. In are there? There? Yeah. there are. Tyler Warren made a fish. Yeah. Um, um, here's what I got. Chopu and Felipe Toledo. I sent you an Instagram pic of Felipe from last week. He's charging a large Chopu barrel. We talked about this last time we spoke, David. Uh, not this wave, but, you know, Filippo and Chopu and what's expected of him. And Filippo. Filippo. Did I say that? <laughs> Felipe, Filippo. Filippo, Phil. He is charging a large Chopu barrel. He didn't make it. In fact, he got cut up on his back pretty good on this wave. And some are suggesting that the monkey is now off of his back because he is training at Big Chopu. He caught a huge wave. He paid his dues, and he should now be ready for competition. Mostly saying that is Michael. How do you say Mike's last name on Stab? I don't know. Cimarelli, Cimarelli, Cimarella, Cimarella. Anyway, he wrote a, an interesting little bit about it. But I'm not convinced that Felipe Filippo is ready. This is, in fact, the story of Chopu, I think, or at least the sub-story. If it is big, can Filippo get a score, get a result, if it's big Chopu? And that's really the story, and the WSL would be so wise to pick up on this and start their, start their broadcast with this question. I don't know why they don't. Like, if yeah. this was Wimbledon— they don't want to shame him. Yeah, but it, it, he's a professional fucking athlete. We've got to stop— broadcasting through the filter of oh my god we might hurt their feelings because guess whose feelings are hurting mine for fucking not doing a good job i think i owe a dollar in the you're cuss going word broke today <laughs> in the cuss word. i apologize for cussing but i've had a cup of coffee <laughs> not good afternoon coffee too no less yes well um look if it isn't if it isn't big at chopu will there be an asterisk next to his supposed world title last time we spoke you said there would be I would agree with that. It's hard to imagine a world champion that can't perform competitively, get a result at a big, you know, legit scary spot, be it pipeline or cloud break or choker. I filed this exact topic under my kook of the week. And my kook is the internet for licking Felipe's, you know, kissing Felipe's butt over this one wave that he fell on. It's like, Everybody posted it and everybody took the stance of, oh, um, shouting down all the naysayers. Screw you, all you haters. Look at Felipe go. And I'm going, okay, so he charged and made the drop and then got blown to pieces and injured on one wave. 
they're only showing one wave and apparently he's been there for a while and the looks like there was plenty of swell so he got one wave he ate it so hard that he's injured why aren't they showing anything else and you're using that to claim that that shows that he's charging no 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 that's my that's arguing my point that's evidence that he is under he's underprepared for it and good for him like by the way i agree he did charge that wave and i'm thrilled that he's there and that he's giving it a go and he's he's there like a month earlier weeks earlier whatever it is but he did not make it he got blown apart i'm so glad you brought that up kooks now the internet there are some commentators that agree with you and with myself and they say ah felipe toledo the only wct surfer of all time who has an entire article dedicated to the fact that he caught a single wave at chopu the world surf media might have totally imploded if he had actually made it. To your point, right? That's exactly how. Now, I some of the kiss asses wrote this: "Riding big barrels on your backhand is arguably one of the more difficult aspects of surfing, and I'm pretty sure Toledo, who is only 23, at least he's starting to take this weak point in his game seriously. I think he has the chance to do well in this event, especially considering how much is on the line for him leading into the last few events of the year." So, and then another wrote. One day, very soon, he will round out his game in all types of waves, and there will be nothing left for the haters. So I think that there's actually some good points here. It's like, you know, you look at Bruce and Andy Irons and these guys that are seem to be born, like Jack Robinson, that seem to be born being able to ride the barrel backside or frontside, big tube slabs. But they were certainly brought up in those situations. That, that's what they were groomed in as kids. So it's like nothing new. But I don't think Filippo has been groomed in, you know, big. So he's 23. Give him some time. Somebody mentioned, hey, Mick and Joel weren't necessarily great until they were like 28 and 32 or what. You know what I mean? Like, you don't necessarily go, oh, yeah, Mick Fanning, greatest backside tube rider of all time. You know, you think Jamie O'Brien, you think Bruce Irons, you think Andy Irons, you know. So give him some time. He is only, it's hard to believe he's only 23. Is he only 23? Yeah. Good God. You'd think he'd be 32 or something. Well, so he's got time to groom. And, and, no question. And I do agree with Michael from Stab. At least he's over there doing of it. Course. I give him, and you mentioned that, I, I give him that. Yeah. But I still am not convinced. That's all I'm saying. Like, prove it to me. And oh, by the way, I hope you do prove me wrong. I would be okay of with course. going, you know what? Stoked for him because he's a great guy. He's a good guy. He deserves to do well. It looks like he's taking it serious. Totally. He's into it. However, after interviewing Timmy Patterson just now, and you and I both loving Idolo already, I'm super on, I'm on the Idolo bandwagon. I'm on the Timmy Patterson Idolo bandwagon. Yeah. And I'd love for Idolo to do well. You know, Idolo's in fourth, Felipe's in first. There's 10,000 points separating them. In between them is Julian and Gabe. It's going to be a fun race here. And this is a turning point, this event, for both of those guys, for Filippo and for Idolo. <laughs> I mean, Felipe and Idolo. It's a turning point. You know, if it goes as has in the past and Idolo does well and Filippo doesn't then you know too bad for Filippo can we bring back Italian Ferrari yes how have we not said that like this entire season Idolo's easier his last name's tough but you can say Idolo I don't care what's easier what's funnier right Italian Ferrari Italian Ferrari Italian Ferrari uh so anyway my point is, it's good. it's going to yeah. be a fun back half of the season here, and this is why oh. I don't give a shit about the U.S. Open. Uh oh, another dollar Dang, into the curse dude. jar. You just got to set up like a credit card on automatic withdrawal for this cursing thing. Um, but okay, I'll get into the back half of the year in a second. Let me address Chopu first. Um, I agree with the people on that 
that you just read in an accountant's voice, like you lowered an octave and tried to act all serious. Yes, thank I you. agree with part of what they're saying. Yes, it's awesome. Felipe needs time, and it's awesome that he's there practicing all of that. Yeah. Them saying, I think he'll do well in this event considering how much is on the line is where they're wrong. He won't do well in this event because you have guys who have the natural ability and Gabriel Medina, who has all of it. Like Gabe's proven at Chopu. He doesn't fall out there. I mean, I remember that year he was in the final. It was like he did not fall on a single wave throughout the entire event, and it was 10-foot and super challenging. And he got and second to Kelly or John John? Yeah, I think yeah. something like that. Um, yeah, it was one of those. But it's it's just like he's – and there's a bunch of other guys. There's a couple of other guys like that, and then there's a number of guys who just have – enough experience out there that Felipe doesn't have. And then also the same kind of pressure to win the title this year that Felipe does have. So when you size all of them up, you go, okay, Felipe doesn't have the natural ability in big waves. He doesn't have the um, experience in big waves. He does have the drive to win the world title this year. But again, there's five other guys that are right there with him with a similar amount of points that are vying, but they have all those other things. So like Felipe is the bottom of that list for me. And then if the waves are challenging, I just don't think, I don't think he'll make waves. I don't think he'll, I, I think he'll go at this point. I think he'll go. I don't think he'll make waves. Um, Do you agree with me that this is a make or break event for maybe Philippe's entire career? No. Here's the thing. I don't. Let me just say this. First of all, the WSL absolutely has to address this. And they'd be wise to like make this the focal point of their beginning of their presentation and their broadcast. It's on stab. Everyone knows about it. There's a great picture of the final heat score from Idolo yeah. and Felipe a couple years ago when he got a zero and Felipe or Idolo had a 15. Yep. I mean, this is... This, the waves, everyone's the waves talking weren't about giant this. that day. I remember right. it was, but it was, it was low, low tide. tide. Yeah, yeah, it was low tide. But... But everyone's talking about it. Like, and this is the this is what every event needs. It needs a talking point. It needs something to rally around. There's going to be other sub stories, but this is by far and away. You've got the top four, two of the top four guys. This is far and away the the lead story. If you're going into this thing, if you're NBC Sports, you've got John McEnroe going. Thanks. Let me tell you about it. And some, you know, somebody has to step up and be John McEnroe and go. This is a make or break event for Felipe. He's in second place or no first place. He's Look, let's show you his history. Let's show the waves. Let's show that heat. Let's take little highlights of that heat two years ago. Let's show the wave score. Let's show the thing on stab. Let's do this. Let's let's tell a friggin' story. Because there's nothing comparable in any other sport. Imagine McEnroe at Wimbledon going, all right, our world leader right now in the world of tennis is afraid to step onto the court. And then the ball comes rifling at him and he shudders and backs away from the ball. Like you can't even compare it to other sports. That is drama to be able to say that this world level talent who's number one in the world is afraid of the playing field. And you don't even have to say that. You just throw the question. Is he afraid? Let's see. Join us as we tune in right now. You know what I mean? Like exactly. I mean, so you can walk the fine line. Yeah, but you've got to do I mean, why wouldn't you do this? It just drives me crazy. Now I ask you this. I think I asked you this already. I'll answer this time. If he does not do well at Big Chopu, is his season over mentally, emotionally? It's not over. It If he goes on to win the world title, 
then yes, it creates an asterisk next to that world title to answer your earlier question. But I guarantee he'll show up in um, at the wave pool in September and blow up. And Europe, he'll blow up in, as he always has in the past. Pipe, he'll falter, as he always has in the past. Um, so he still needs to prove himself there. It doesn't ruin his credibility in those other waves, and it also doesn't shake his self-esteem or confidence level, I don't think. Does it take... Does the credibility away from the WSL, does it take away some integrity of the world title? A little bit. It doesn't take WSL's credibility. It takes the credibility away from the world title a little bit. But Well, we shall see, right? Here's my thought is just kind of pragmatic and matter of fact, which is it takes time to suss out things like surfing big barreling waves if it's not built into your DNA. And so he needs time. And that's there's no shame in that. If he can win a world title without it, good on him. I'll still reserve, you know, I'll wait to see him improve in the future, but it is what it is. Just go and put in the time. And he is obviously, but I don't need to freaking fawn over the one wave he didn't make. And I wouldn't have reposted it. If I was a big Felipe fan, I wouldn't have posted that. You know, you know, it's not, I'm watching this twinning thing. Tyler Warren isn't isn't living up to the Josh Kerr. I was watching Josh Kerr and I'm like, wow, this is good. And Tyler just surfs kind of like he's he's kind of a sea level surfer. Dude, it's funny. I did not I felt the same way in my brain and never really um acknowledged it. But you're he's absolutely just pedestrian. Right. Well, he's a great surfer in all the other edits I've ever seen, and I've seen him at lowers and stuff. He's a great surfer. I'm not doubting that. But, but in this video, to, but in this video, yeah. he's surfing way under his own standard. That must be what it is, because I'm looking at it going. To, I don't know. What's interesting is he shaped a board and contributed it to the thing, and Josh Kerr wrote it. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. I'll have to, I bet the board. Um, he's a great shaper. Tyler. Well, what's funny is I also. He's a great surfer, too. I'm just saying, I'm watching this edit. I just watched Josh Kerr, yeah, and Tyler's underwhelming. But he's. what's funny is his style of surfing suits the twin fins best. Like, you would think he'd be doing his best surfing on those boards in those waves, and he's not. But it's all good. Yeah. Um, how excited while you're watching that i'm currently watching kanoa igarashi winning his round two heat in huntington beach how big is it two to three no one to two six inches to one. Oh my god it's small it's poor it's here's what i will advocate for scott yes you and i surf crappy waves pretty regularly <laughs> this is aspirational you're stre- this is a stretch is this, what is this is aspirational your argument is stretching aspirational I'm watching it going, holy crap, those guys shred. Like, I would like to um, take a cue, take a page out of Timothy Biso's book. <laughs> Don't okay. you love Timothy Biso? Do, who's Timothy Biso? Exactly. I am now watching Tyler on the CI Fish. Where do they go? Where is this? El Salve. They don't say that, but it has to be, right? It looks like it. Yeah. Okay, cut through the. Okay, here we go. Um,. Okay, what else do I have? I've got something that you and I are super excited about. You're going to be as excited about this topic as I am. U.S. Open, Supergirl Pro in Oceanside? (laughs) No, neither of those. Okay, Tyler's surfing much better on the CI Fish. But anyway, uh, the Red Bull Cape Fear at Shipstern's Bluff, Tasmania. This one-of-a-kind invitation-only surfing competition is back for another epic year of big waves and blah, 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 blah. 
Only this year, it's going mobile to ship Stern's Bluff, Tasmania. The event waiting period starts today, runs through December. David, you and I, this is probably the was one of the best events we've seen. Remember the first one? How, how engaging was it? It was awesome. It was death-defying. It was slabby. It was gnarly. You really felt like these guys were putting it on the line. And that's, I hope, going to be the same feeling at Tasmania Shipsterns Love. I don't know why it wouldn't be. That's a gnarly-ass wave. So I love this Red Bull Cape Fear, whatever it's called. Cape Fear, Red Bull Cape Fear, yeah. yeah. I love this event. The love one it. that they did was great. Um, they're in Australia. This one, Tasmania. And I'm looking forward to it. Now, I'm looking down this list of surfers. There are... No Californians. Do you think there should be a Californian? Do you think a Californian's even worthy to be Nick in this? Nick Lamb. Nick Lamb's California, right? Is he a slab hunter or is he a big wave He's surfer? He's a big wave guy. How would you describe Shipsterns? Is it a slab or is it a big wave or is it both? It's both. I would call it a, a slab first What kind of foremost? board do you think they'll be boards they'll be riding here? Do you think they'll be riding six sixes? Are they towing them in? Did they tow in at the other one? Yeah. No. They did? They yeah. towed in at... I thought they paddled. If they tow, they're going to be on tow board. So anyway, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's 10 or 11 guys from Tasmania. Do those guys interest you at all? Who are they? Alex Zawadski, Brooke Phillips, Zebulon Critchlow, Michael Brennan, Tyler Homer Cross, James Homer Cross, James McKean, Sean Wallbank, Daniel Griffiths. Maybe it doesn't matter because if, if, the wave is the star here. No, if they, it absolutely matters because if people can't make it onto the wave and they eat it on the drop, then nobody cares. So both things matter. But I, as long as they have the best surfers for that wave, then no, it doesn't matter to me. If Jamie O'Brien could surf that wave better than any of those guys, then I would rather have Jamie O'Brien. Jamie's there. in the event. Right. Do you want me to, I'll tell you some names who we know. Mick Fanning's in it. Is he really? Yes. That is huge. Isn't that cool? I love that. Yeah, me too. He's going to win it. No, he won't. No? Absolutely not. Russell Berkey, defending Berkey. champ. Berkey will That guy's a, a man, but is he going to have a concussion? Is there going to be concussion protocol in the water? Of course. Here's one that's interesting. Ross Clark Jones. Ross is like 54 years old. <laughs> but he's more qualified than... No I doubt. Mean, I'm not saying he shouldn't be in there, but I mean, that... He's just got a salty hairdo. Kai Lenny, there's your winner. No, I think Beerkey. The greatest waterman of... Kai Lenny's not the greatest waterman right now. There's no better waterman than Kai Lenny. John John. I don't know. John John just got second in that power. I know, but Kai won it, his division, in like two hours on a foil. His division. So that's not the paddle race. He won it on a foil. It's a different thing entirely. Kai Lenny, so he's think, not even in the water. Right the now, foil is not even a water sport. You think right now John John Florence is, is a better all-around waterman than Kai Lenny? Yes. So you're telling me that he can, right now, we could lash up a sail on a sailboard and put those guys out at 15 foot, let's say, um, Nomotu left, and Kai Lenny's going to lose to John John Florence on a sailboard. Maybe not on a sailboard. On a kite. No. I on think- a stand-up paddleboard. Maybe Lenny would win the stand-up paddle. Well, he's going to win the kite, too, and he's going to win the sailboard. Go right. on. Name all the logical options before those ones. A shortboard? Okay, a shortboard. A big go. wave? Waimea? Pipeline? First of all, I think a big wave event Sailing? is a wash. You're telling me Kai Lenny didn't dominate, didn't do great at Jaws? 
He did great at Jaws. Who, did he do better who, than John John? Uh, John John wasn't in the event. Okay, I who's wonder a, why. Who's a, why not? Eddie Champ. Huh? Who's the Eddie Champ? I'm, I'm not doubting that John John. Did Kyle Lenny win Jaws? He did great at Jaws. He didn't win Jaws. All I'm saying is the big wave thing I think is a wash. No. I will give John John the short I give it to John. He's losing in three of the divisions. He's losing the kiteboarding. No, He's losing you're the talking about big wave. I'm talking all around waterman. I know. Who's so, the best so you'd have to pick waterman. what are the most important categories, and then I'm, that's we're what mentioning we have to them. Let's go through them. Who's right now. kiteboarding? None of them. That's a waterman. That's but a waterman. they're not doing that. Neither of them are doing that. That's yeah, not even relevant. No, he, yeah, it is relevant. Kai can pick up a kite right now and dominate. I don't. Can I don't think that that's true. I've never seen him do it. Well, you're ignorant. You're naive no, to the whole situation. True. That is you true. Send me Kyle any foot John a kite right now. Have you Google ever seen it. it? Man up and do some Googling. <laughs> Get out of here, dude. <laughs> I, what about Kyle okay. Lenny is a more well-rounded water. Disagree. Who's, who can foil better? Kai Lenny, who can sail better? No, no, Kai. no, no. Who no. can kite better? Kai. I, I don't who can agree. Surf equally as good in big waves. Kai, not even. No, not even close. Okay, well, I'm, let me just put this out there. I threw this concept out on Facebook, on Reed Inouye's Facebook, and I got guys chiming in that know what's going on, and they all agree that Kai's. The Do guy. they have their own podcast? <laughs> no. Here's the other. This thing. This is a goose. Who's, look, who's, I'm not saying John John couldn't be good at kiting. I'm sure he could be. He's already obviously got some sailing in his blood. He's just not doing it. So the greatest all-around waterman, and I'm talking divisions of foiling, shortboarding, big wave surfing, kite surfing, sailboarding, stand-up paddling, downwind paddling, all of these sailing? things. All of these things. Sailing. Sure. Yeah. Sailing. Throw that in there. All of these things. Kai gets the nod. Not even close. He, he just slightly Who's, edges out John John. Ford. Who has any world championships at that's all in anything ever? That's not the question. The question is, is no, that's relevant who can to dominate the- these seven categories that I just mentioned? What's another Waterman category you want to throw in? I wasn't listening to the ones that you just named for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Did you say surfing? Yes, I said shortboarding. And so you can run that contest at Lowers, or you can run it at Pipe, or you can run it at Waimea. And I'll even give you Jaws. You can run the contest at Jaws. John no, no, John will win all of those. No, that's big wave surfing. That's a different category. I'm talking in that shortboard. category then. And <laughs> yes, the shortboard category. You don't think John John would win the shortboard category? I do. I'm yes. saying he would. I'm saying he He'd would win a win longboard that. category. He would too. win that one. No, I don't think he would win the longboard. I think Absolutely. that's a wash. That's not a wash. Dude. He's a ever... world cha- two-time world champ surfer. Can't beat Kai Lenny on a longboard. No. Oh my gosh. I'm saying it's a wash. I'm not saying it's a. I'm not saying that. He wouldn't maybe win one heat or he might lose. I'm just saying that's a wash. Like the big wave surfing's a There's wash. There's no such thing as a wash in surf competition. Somebody has to win. In this world of podcasting competitions that we're having. Anyway, I, I'm it's a saying, good question. I'd like I, to know what the listeners here's at home what, think. They're I agree probably going to gush over John John. And by the way, I love John John. I'm just saying, Kai, in my opinion, right now, if you threw the gauntlet down and said, let's have a contest, here are the divisions, I think that more of the divisions would be won by Kai Lenny than by John John. Here's why I argue with you is because you throw that out periodically as if it's fact. You're just like, yeah, Kai Lenny, the best waterman. And I'm saying, no, 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 that's not fact. And I, we don't, we haven't run this hypothetical contest. There's no way to do it. I'm just saying you're really overlooking other potential um, athletes. And John John would be the number one on my list. But I do believe it. I do believe John John would smoke Kai in a lot of those things. Not to diminish Kai lot, at all. I'm talking about there's six or seven categories. Yeah. Who wins a majority of them right now, today? John John. John John. And the ones that John John wins. John John probably doesn't know how to kiteboard. The one, I, I bet John John could pick it up like that. I'm saying today, right now, yes. we're having an event. Like, well, can he he's pick injured it up in right an now. hour? He's injured right now. Let's just hypothetical. Here's, here's hypothetical. My, other, my other thought is, That's the, other thing, the ones injured. that John John... doesn't get injured. 
the ones that John John does win, he would win by such a large margin. And the ones that Kai wins, he would win by a, a minuscule margin. <laughs> so, it doesn't matter how does much matter. you win by. Not in my context. If you weight each Your category. Your format is different than my format. My format is the You right just format. win or you lose. You win or you lose. Who wins or loses the kiteboarding? John. He doesn't even kiteboard. He'd win it. Wrong. I don't even think Kai now you're boards. Now you've got fanboy glasses on. The one that Kai would win is stand-up. And that's a shame. He, he, would should, win, be a, he, he should be ashamed for even winning that. He would win and then he would turn his back to the camera because it's like shameful and he doesn't want to be associated with it. That's all. Touche. Touche. You've got me there. I'm, I'm stumped. <laughs> Kai would win kiteboarding right now. He would win sailboarding right now. He would win stand-up right now. He would, he would, there would be a push. Sailboarding isn't even a thing anymore. Like that. Yeah, it is. I mean. Fucking grow. Get out of North America, bro. <laughs> Go to Barbados. <laughs> Kai is not sailboarding. I'm telling you that right now. I'm telling now. you, if you put he is not John, John, and Kai on the beach right now at Namotu with two Kai, with two sailboards, Kai Lenny would blow John John's no, mind. No, I think I'll give it to John. I don't think either of them do it, and I think John John would beat him. Wrong, man. <clears throat> anyway, Kai Lenny's in the Red Bull Cape Fear event. Is that what we were talking yeah. about? Yeah, and your favorite. Pedro Scooby Viana from Brazil's in it. I do like Scooby. Lori Towner, Ryan Hipwood, potential winner. Those two guys. Both, both yeah, of those both guys could guys. win this thing. Nathan Florence, potential winner. Billy Kemper, absolutely. And then we get into these Tasmanian guys who I'm not doubting are worthy. I, and I think Kemper and Nate Florence deserve to be invited. I don't too. see them winning. This wave is so unique that I think you need some experience out there. And the other guys, Lori Towner has the experience. Hipwood does. Bierke does. Uh, I think they're the favorites in this. So there's there's these 11, like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. There's like 9 or 8 or 9 Tasmanian surfers. I've only heard of two of them. Yeah. Marty Paradisus and one of the Homer Crosses. I think James or Tyler, the two brothers. I've, and I'm sure the others, obviously the others are are worthy. I'm just saying from a fan's perspective, from my perspective, do like I think a North American fan would be more stoked if there were some names that I could be like, oh cool. You know, yeah. like I mean I could throw a million I, I wouldn't like Jamie Mitchell. Okay, I get it. I know I'm I'm a fan. You know, I'm a fanboy. You gotta make sure What those about guys... Greg Long? Would you like to see Greg Long in this? Yeah, but it's not his style of wave. Like you were asking big wave versus slab. I've never seen Greg surf slabs. It's pretty dedicated. Well, he used to surf that wave down there um, that they named after that wave in Baja that they, Harry's or whatever. That was kind of a slabby wave. He's dedicated his life, though, to a certain style of wave, and I don't think that fits it. So I don't care either way, really, that there's nine Tasmanian guys, but but I kind of do, I guess. I guess no, I kinda as long do. as they are the most qualified guys to surf that wave, I think it's fine. Well, they're obviously locals, so... Yeah. Here's my question to you in this. No Albie Lair? Wouldn't you want to see Albie yeah, Lair? I would love to see Albie Lair. Me too. Here's my question uh, that will highlight my ignorance. Do you know the difference between ship sterns and ours? The event moved from ours to yes. ship sterns. Like I'm in my brain trying to identify what will be the defining characteristic that's different. I mean, ours, it's I know, similar. breaks. Ours breaks right in front of that rock ledge, the, which adds so yes, much drama. Totally. Totally agree with you. But ship sterns, the wave looks pretty similar maybe maybe i've just conflated them in my head well, and they are different they're pretty similar they're big slabby peaks that end quickly With that have steps. ledges steps um backwash more backwash probably at hours 
But ours is just so close. It just seemed deadlier, you know? I'm sure the wipeouts are just as gnarly at ship sterns. I don't know if you get pushed over the the reef slab or if the white water kind of like pushes yeah, you out into the channel. And The other thing is ours proper name is Cape Salander, which is why the event's called Cape Fear. Can you continue calling it Cape Fear at ship sterns? Well, they're saying now they're saying this year it's different because we're mobile. So they're kind of right. saying, look. Well, the waiting period starts today, which it, is rad. It's like a six month, five month waiting period. Yeah. Which is awesome. It is good. Um, Three Hawaiians, no Californians, a lot of Tasmanians. I, I, yeah, honestly, like I don't care if there's no Californians. I just want the- You don't um, even want Kai Lenny in this, do you? You're like, Kai Lenny, why? He's not a slab guy. Definitely doesn't deserve I to be I hope Kai Lenny freaking wins it. He'll be wearing a cape. He'll be like, it's called Cape Fear because I showed up with my cape on my kite board. Oh, my. The USA uh, Surfing has announced that the- Barefoot Ski Ranch Resort in Waco, Texas is now the official wave pool for training for the United States surfing team and the 2018 World Junior Championship surf team. What do you think of that? Not much. Not or, much. Or silly. You'd rather talk about the surf Supergirl Pro or something like that? Um, no. I, I mean, we, let's honor for a minute Carissa Moore for winning that event. Congratulations. Chris. But no, I think they'd be better served probably in an ocean somewhere. But um, <laughs> but I think I think you can go there and definitely do a couple of training sessions, like go there for a period of time and just be like, we're going to work on airs, which has been really interesting. That's the most interesting thing from that specific wave pool is watching Tatiana Weston Webb get a bunch of lefts in a row and try the same exact air rotation over and over again. Same thing with Carissa Moore, but on the right, Alessa Quizan on the left trying to do flips. It's like that is really going to elevate our sport. And I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but it's restated for me with that venue because the waves come at such a high frequency. Um, They come so often that you can just go out there and figure it out in an afternoon, you know? Do you, I don't consider you an aerial surfer. Is that fair? A hundred percent. If fair. you went to Waco, would you attempt yes. to learn how to do? hundred percent. Because I'm going. Yeah. Are you suggesting that I try to do learn how to do an aerial? Because I don't think I've ever done an aerial. I think, I think maybe one time, maybe like Alex Gray told me I did an aerial once. Like a you credit just like card, like banked a, off a section and yes, happened to get yeah, off. And I, yeah, that, yeah, like and I and I kind of even I kind of disowned it. I'm like, I don't think I did. Yeah. Should I try to do an aerial? I would. There's a fantastic. How do I do it? I don't even. I'll know send how to you do a it. clip. I'll send you a clip. It's so there's a not fan, the way I would surf. There's a fantastic clip that I felt was like a 101 teaching from Luke Davis. Okay. And it's shot from the cement ledge uh-huh. that the wave is the right is headed towards. Uh-huh. So somebody's standing on the ledge filming kind of bird's eye view down and you can see the coping developing and you can see him eyeballing it and you could see where he bottom turns and the way that he projects all of it is, it was like, Oh, I could do an air after watching that. And I want to go get that section and figure it out. Okay. So I'm going to try to do an aerial. Yeah. I you might should be an aerial surfer after this, do a straight air That's on all. the right. Yeah. And just go for the barrel of course, but then secondarily go for the air. Okay. Pump down the line. Am I worried about hurting myself? No. Okay. I, um, not that I'm stretching. 
I hate to like pretend as if I'm your aerial coach yeah, right now. Yeah, this is good. This is I'm really so good. No, you are. You not are. qualified no, for this job. You've got a chop hop as a hairdo. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Don't do a chop hop when you go there, by the no, way, unless you want to get shamed on the internet. Oh um, but I've, I've in my youth, I mean, it's been a decade, but I've done a couple. And what always threw me off was the feeling of weightlessness. So I'd see a section and I'd go for it. And before I knew it, I was reconnecting with the wave, like touching down. And there was a lag in my brain's processing of even understanding that I was in the air. And what jarred me back into reality was reconnecting with the surface of the the water. Like, oh, bang. Oh, and then I'm falling and it's too late. And I go, oh, I realize, oh, now I guess that was what it feels like to be in the air. So there's a learn, but then you don't get another air section for whatever, either five waves or a month or whatever. (laughs) And then you have to kind of relearn that. So just getting into that mental state of what liftoff feels like, weightlessness feels like, and then you can start to figure out how to land, you know? So those things are kind of challenging, but if you can kind of get through that version of it real quickly, you'll be able to suss it out. I think that you will be able to get that feeling once or twice and then on your third and fourth wave, be able to just do exactly what you want to do. Landing is the next thing. So hopefully I can do an aerial, come back an aerial surfer. I can get into the hall. Even was it a 540? Was it a 180? (laughs) Was it a seven? I can have a voice in this conversation. Me, the New York times, Matt Miola. Um, we can all get involved. In, I did, okay. So, did you watch Matt Miola's knife? Yep. Video. Yep. This I loved is, it. I thought is, it was actually, it was actually fairly well. I kind of understood. He brought out a whole different point that was really important. He said exactly what I've been saying this entire time for years. But he did a better job because he had a knife. That's a good point. And he had a That's video. A good point. There was a threat implied with his. Well, just the whole the whole idea that we're going down the line and they're going like this and we're going like this. That's that, what I've tried that to changes the whole, everybody it makes it three dimensional instead of, I've always looked at it two dimensional. Yes. Todd Richards is like, it's a moving half pipe. And I'm like, no, it's a kicker. It's like when you're snowboarding, going straight down a hill and there's a kicker, you go straight off of it. That's more what is akin to what we're doing. It's not a hundred percent analogous, but it's a lot closer than the half pipe is. You've never seen a surfer go straight into the lip and straight up. It just doesn't happen. Or Unless even, getting... even more importantly, straight back down to exactly. the other side. Exactly. And conversely, you never see a guy hit it parallel either because then you wouldn't be able to get any projection. But they're a lot, lot closer to parallel than they are straight up and down. You know, So you're factoring in you're, you're gifting them a couple of degrees on the takeoff because it's not quite parallel. And then you're gifting a couple of degrees on the landing because it's rarely parallel, but sometimes it is. Um, so you have to take each air on its own and evaluate it on its own. But yes, Matt, Matt Miola is my Duke of the Week for oh, this exact. Good. I love him for letting people know. <laughs> he did a good job. That every surfer, every skater and snowboarder that jumps into the conversation jumps in with a filter that is incorrectly influencing the way that they should be viewing what surfers are doing. Another interesting point that he made that I want to drive home is that actually, maybe he didn't make this. Maybe this was in the New York times article. Um, Surfers or snowboarders and skaters saying that surfers owe some sort of homage 
to skaters because skaters invented these tricks. We invented so, skateboarding. Yes, exactly. We invented no, no, no. your sport. You guys should be paying homage Thank to surfing you. originally. Without and surfing, I think there I told would be no Todd that on air. Like, dude, oh, you, that's you're tripping. Blasphemy. You're tripping. He like immediately called Tony Hawk and said, "Beat him up." <laughs> <laughs> Todd was not happy. Oh, poor Todd. But he is so a I good sport. So I DM'd Albie. I'm like, you know how like there's this conversation about what to call the yeah. move that he did, and I sort of. I just took Kelly's thing and I and I DM'd and I'm like, dude, let's face it, it's going to be called the Albi Hoop. That's just it because like, it's so fitting. It is, and Kelly named it, and I mean, you know, like it does make tons of sense, right? Yeah. Like, and it's easy, and like you say, it's fitting. Yeah. And he just wrote back, never all caps with Good exclamation points. It's he's really, anti, and I think he's self-deprecating, but yes. it is the Albi Hoop. Yeah, let's just call it the Albi Hoop. It is what it is. He's. I appreciate him taking that stance and being too. like humble about the yes, whole thing. Yes. But if you've got Kelly Slater telling you what to name, like, yeah. And then you just do it. And yeah. let's, by the way, it's called an alley oop. So it's easy to, I mean, it's yeah, just branded right. for Albie yeah, layers. So I would argue, it was meant to be. I would argue Albie sat in his bedroom as a kid and go, I'm going to redefine something. What can I do? And he looked at the rodeo flip and tried to smash the word rodeo and layer together and was like, no, nah, it doesn't <laughs> make sense. And he looked at a, a full rotation and was like, the Albie, no, that doesn't make sense. And then he hit alley oop. Oh my gosh. Light bulb went off and he committed the next decade of his life. I think you're onto something. I will say I was disappointed in the New York Times for not bringing you into the conversation. You kick-started this Thank whole you. thing. And I read it. I, I subscribed to the New York Times. I opened up my Sunday. There it was. I was like, wow, this is cool. Super bummed that I didn't see David Lee Scales because you were the you were the voice of reason that started this whole conversation. Others would have just like went with Todd and Chris Cote and just went, okay, I guess they know what they're, you know... I never thought I'd hear you say this. Thank you very yes, kindly, Scott. Yes. And here's the problem. I don't have as loud of a megaphone as those guys do. Those guys are way more famous than I am. Yes. So, and there's nobody willing to take a stand against them. So everybody just, like you said, they just bow down and go, oh, well, they must know what they're talking about. And I'm going, well, logic shows me what I'm talking about. And like, I, so with a much smaller megaphone, it's been hard, but it's, it's been worth it, Scott. I'm going to be the Rosa Parks of this entire movement yeah. where years from now, and God forbid anybody with a math degree ever looks at this whole scenario and laughs. Well, Matt Miola must have a math degree. <laughs> I mean, there will be people who reflect on this in the future and just laugh and go, surfers are so dumb. You know, Surfers are the worst. They're the worst. And then I'll be there going, no, no, no. I sat in the front of the bus. It was me by myself waving the flag. That's right. And then Scott jumped on right next to me side by side. Like <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I, no I feel fare. like there will be statues erected on coastlines around yeah. the world. Beach breaks where there's air sections. I say BSR wave pool where that Luke Davis video was shot from. Erect a statue. Makes tons of sense. I will see what I can do when I'm there to get that process rolling. I'll see about permits and stuff for the statue. Thank you. And um, disappointed that they didn't. Because you, in all honesty and sincerity, you brought this subject to the forefront. Thank you. By holding the hard line against Todd Richards on a podcast. It's fun just trolling people too. Like, honestly, I don't care at all. I don't do air rotations. I have no vested interest. It's just super fun telling people they're wrong when I believe they're wrong. First of all, I believe they're wrong. So, but like I give Cote, like I'll make sure to chime in and tag him on stuff just because I know like it's funny and it'll rib him, you know, but, um, 
I'm not doing the air, so what do I care, you know? Well, just one visit to Waco and you'll be, comp- you know, you'll be a part of the tribe. Yeah. Well, Scott, I know you've been dying with anticipation for the last 60 minutes to hear what Spy Optics must-see moment was. Can I just say one thing? Yeah. There was a time when Chris used to wear these Velcro booties and had Velcro on the deck of his board. This is gold. Yes, I knew you would love this. The thing about Chris is that he'll he'll own this. Yeah, so yeah. he's not but but he used to wear Velcro booties to get airs. That is amazing. Yes. I admire the innovation. Um and I also gotta say, I think I was a Chris Cote fan growing up. Like I watched Terror Devils and a couple of these San Diego films, and I was like, "Oh, he's." I'm a he bigger rips. fan now than I've ever. That's been. what I was going to say. He's surfing better now. It's not even the surfing. It's just like no, but it's his Instagram account. But he's surfing better now. When I was watching those kids growing up, I had respect. I'm saying right now, yeah. he's surfing better than he was then. Yeah. I see little clips or photos of him now, and I'm like, dude, he's fitter and he's surfing better then. So, yeah, yeah. I like to give him a hard time, but yeah. Um, so spy optics must see moment, Scott. There's no doubt. You know what it is. Felipe? No. What? The boat getting capsized at Nias. Oh, I've got a whole section on Nias. Okay. Do we have time or no? I've got to rush out of here. We can do it if you can run through it quickly, but let me do. Spyoptic.com. Yes. Spyoptic.com. You know why? You know why? Because life's happy and they make it happier. And this is a happy story. That boat thing looked so horrendous, it but it's a happy story because Timmy, the boat owner, went on Facebook, gave a four-minute video in the boat itself. The boat is now on the beach and it's wrecked, but he gave a video letting everybody know, hey, it's okay. Nobody got hurt. Thankfully, nobody in the lineup got hurt, but also the boat got lifted off its anchor or mooring and drifted out in the lineup with nobody actually on the boat and then, of course, got smashed into the reef in the most spectacular fashion i mean that thing got it it was the biggest set wave i've ever seen at neas and the boat was in the worst possible position over the falls smashed onto the top of the boat like crazy crazy footage but everything ended up happy in the end spyoptic.com see happy by the way use promo code podcast to support this show directly all right neos footage 15 feet maxing out Really, all over Indo, it was maxing out. There's footage from Ulu and Padang. This late July swell was crazy. I was lucky enough to watch Ted Grambo's Insta live feed from the boat. Did you happen to see this? It was really not. well done. He had his, you know, his phone attached to his, you know, his I guess monopod with his 600 millimeter or whatever. So anyway, Ted Grambo um, did an Insta live from the from the channel and. We got footage of Matt Bromley and Healy and Nathan Florence and many, many others. Um, and it really gave you a feeling for what the day was like. And Mark Healy had a pretty cool live Insta feed that I watched too. Yeah, I it, saw it was similarly cool. Um, it was from land. And he was, it was in the morning. He was just trying to get his bearings. The swell was huge. He was having his coffee or whatever. And he was showing you some of the bombs coming out the back and just kind of giving you some backstory about the swell. And you could just see the energy in the water. And there was at one point, you know, he's like, oh, look, Nathan Florence is edging his way out into the water. And that's weird because normally they'd go out the keyhole, but the keyhole's maxing out. Right. And just the tone in Healy's voice during this Insta Live feed, you could tell that this was a serious day. This wasn't froth. This was anxiety. And um, it, it was kind of fascinating. Here's some quotes from Healy on this uh, epic surf day at Nias from Healy himself. It just kept getting bigger and bigger all throughout the day. All the waves were complete double ups, like swells just eating each other, especially the way the reef at Nias was handling it. It kind of makes the waves do that anyways. But on top of that, the swell was doing that. 
And it was just really nasty. The waves coming in were heavy and there were no happy endings. You'd be paddling as hard as you could when a set was coming in, paddling for like five minutes straight. Then you'd get over a wave, check your lineups to make sure you're in position and you'd be losing ground. You're paddling your ass off the whole way, getting a crazy 18-foot toe-style wave on your head. But it wasn't just with each individual wave that the water would push in. It would be pushing in like a tidal surge for minutes at a time. Staying in the lineup was exhausting. The energy felt larger than the individual waves that, that came in, which I think is what stands out from the other swells around the world that I've seen. The energy in the water was just yeah. heavy. So huge huge deal and neos wsl announcing that there's going to be a qs event at neos which if you may recall in the 90s was a cultural nightmare like they had a qs event at neos and it just turned into like a drug den and pornography like it was just like i remember steve some barilotti or somebody wrote some article about how it was just like a really bad footprint of of how surfing can go wrong in the wrong cultures you know when you when you put western culture and a bunch of 20 year olds that are you know brought their playboy magazines and their bag of weed and they're there for a surf contest and, and it just like it was kind of like a den of iniquity you know interesting i like steve yeah good writer too. so hopefully that will all change and we'll have a little bit of um yeah some sensitivity to the and i obviously there is now yeah, yeah. definitely much more of that um, fascinating. Yeah, that those waves are unbelievable. Like the best surfers in the world, the Nate Florences and all those, like not making waves. It, it was unmakeable. Yeah. Oh, it was it unmakeable, was, it was but heavy. it was as if you drew the best kind of barreling waves you could possibly imagine and then sized it up times five, you know? It's just crazy. Absolutely. All right, Scott. Okay, well, until next time. So we've got, you've got a pod dropping with, um, who did you just do? You just did... Didn't you just drop a pod with somebody yesterday? Dave Ali from Almond Surfboards? Yes, right. Do you Almond. know Dave at yeah, all? Yeah, I do know Dave, yeah. It's more focused on um, brand building. You know, like... Well, he's good at that. He's done a great job. So looking at classic California brands like Hobie, boards are a big part of Hobie's business, but really it's a brand. You know, it's like they clothing and retail stores and all this, and that's what they built Almond after. Um, Dave curated an aesthetic that's very much uh, their own. And, and specific to their local community, which is Absolutely. Newport Beach, Costa Mesa. He Blackies. Was, he's from that area, built the store miles, a mere mile or so from where he was born and raised and like all of his friends. Like, here's what we're all doing. I can kind of support the local community's needs. Yeah. And so the conversation was, he's early 30s, conversations focused on not only brand building, but like how do you manage growth? How do you manage burnout? How do you get married in that amount of time, raise a family, like all these things that go with that. I think anybody who's ever um, started a business can relate to, but anybody who's ever just tried to balance their life can relate to. So interesting stuff from, from Dave. Yeah. Um, and then I've got a pod dropping. So that's surf splendor podcast. The boardroom show podcast. will have Chaz Smith tomorrow. Do you think yep. we'll get that up tomorrow. tomorrow? And then this podcast will be today live later today wednesday full week of podcasting and then i've got tim timmy patterson in the can you must have uh who did you just do that you said you, i did no, brit merrick yeah that, brit you that's got probably brit three weeks out in or the so can. Oh, okay. i've got christine brailsford caro in the next week okay I think, so and i've got some good i got some stuff lined up i'm supposed to do steve sherman and um and I've reached out to the guy at BSR. Perfect. When I'm there in Waco, it would be cool if I God could do a stuff. podcast. With I him. would love for you to connect with Shane Magnuson. 
Yeah, maybe I will. Maybe I will. Tony Finn was the guy I was going to connect with. Both. Do both. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Spitpodcast.com. Until next time, adios and aloha. I think I'm so educated and I'm so civilized because I'm a strict vegetarian. With the overpopulation and inflation and starvation and the crazy politicians. I don't feel safe in this world no more. I don't want to die in a nuclear war. I want to sail away to a distant shore and make like an ape man. And the spiders and flies